are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Um, I'm a recovering stuff addict, okay? And um, I, I relapse once in a while, uh, more, more often than not. And uh, I love buying stuff, right? And um, I love buying stuff for me. I love buying stuff for others, right? It's a time of year where we get to think of others and, and bless others. I love discovering new gadgets and, and new things that make life easier, Amen. How many like that? I, I love new stuff that comes out on the market. And uh, probably one of the worst things that has ever happened to me um, is, is this right here. Um, th- this has messed me up. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent. I have a struggle. I have an addiction. Um, um, I have this uh, app right there. You see that, Rachel? Amazon. And all I have to do is click that app. And my world changes for the better for the moment until I get the bill. Um, and, 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 and Amazon Prime has been a game changer for people who love stuff because one click away, it's, it's just so easy. Like the deal of the day is calling my name. Like I'm so addicted to this app that I go to see what the deal of the day is. Now, how many, how many are like me with Amazon Prime? Anybody? Some of y'all lying up in church. Y'all know you got an addiction (laughs) that you're not willing to get free from. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I love going to Amazon Prime. I mean, free shipping. Come on, somebody. It's a deal. Such a deal. Free shipping. It's to my house in two days. I can guarantee that's going to be on my porch. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, after a thousand packages in the last year, not one's been late. (laughs) That's how I know that. It's not been late. And I get to track it too, and I see where it's at, and I see it's traveling to me, and it's so much fun. It's like a game. Some of you like whatever game. This, what, I don't even know what game you play on your phone, but you like that. I like the game of Amazon Prime. It's fun. And I love when my cart is full of stuff. <laughs> it excites me. The worst thing is when you put something in your cart, and you're thinking about it, and you accidentally push place order, you're like, dang it. I wasn't going to do that, but it's too late now. And so then you got to explain to your spouse why all these packages are showing up at your door. All of us love stuff, right? And it's probably why um, out of 66 books of the Bible that God talks about money, stuff, and possessions over 2,000 times. Probably why, because he knew we would have this attraction. He knew we would love stuff. And so he, he put all these scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And then we see also in the New Testament that during the three and a half years of Jesus here on earth, we see that he talked more about money and stuff than he did heaven and hell combined. More about money and possessions and and giving and what it means to be generous. More than heaven and hell combined. So it must be an important subject, right? It must be something that we must dive into and and figure out. Um, How many in here have parents or uh, 
Kids, rather. I know everybody has parents. Just turn me down a little bit in the monitors, guys. I'm a little hot. I'm getting distracted. About to take this coat off. Uh-oh. Um, how many have kids in here? How many have kids? I know everybody has a parent, but how many have kids? Uh, something took place. Uh, your kid seemingly looked like an angel. I mean, an angel sent from heaven. Until they turned about 18 months. And then something demon came in them. I'll just speak for my kids because I don't want to call your kids a demon and have you email the church. But if you do want to email us, email us at we do not care at fuelchurch.com. And something took place, and all of a sudden, at 18 months, they started getting very forceful with a few key words. Let me see if you can identify. Because when they were playing with the toys and one of the other kids came to take their toy, they said, mine or my toy, right? Anybody remember that? Parents, parents, current parents, you hear that in your house? And all of a sudden, your little angel girl, your little angel boy is possessed with the spirit of selfishness, Right? It, it, it's true. And so, so we're born into this, and, 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 and it is the first glimpse of sin for almost every human being. It is the sin of selfishness. It, try, it, tries, to, it tries to dominate all our lives, right? It's, it's a battle every day, right? Because we want to take care of ourselves. And if we're not careful in regards to our finances, we can have that little forceful attitude, mine. It's all mine. I worked hard for this is mine. You're not having any of it. Well, somebody is having a part of it. The government's taking a little bit from you, just so you know. But, but, but uh, you know, we, we got to talk about this because it, it, this is kind of a taboo subject in the church. And, you know, we, we don't want to talk about money and giving and, and generosity, but we have to go to God's word. Now, listen, this, here's a disclaimer. You ready for the disclaimer? We are not that church. We are not that church that talks about money all the time. We are not that church that that will guilt you, pressure you, or condemn you into giving. We will not solicit finances through the mail. We will not say if you give in 30 days, you're going to have a 30-day turnaround and a miracle is going to show up at your door. We're not going to sell you holy water from Israel and say, when you buy this, when you give a $1,000 seed, a miracle's coming to your house, you're going to be out of debt. Amen? That's not us. That's not us. Um, You know, as a church, yes, we have needs. As a church, yes, we need to operate. We need resources to reach people and to facilitate growth. However, we will simply here at Fuel Church, we will cast a compelling vision uh, from God for our church and our city and then simply ask you to ask God what you should do. Now, as your pastor, it is my responsibility to teach you what God has to say about money giving, and generosity. So we take a few weeks out of the year. So I'm going to say a few weeks, a few weeks out of the year to teach you that. And we're during, we're in that series right now um, to talk about what does it mean to give? What does it mean to live the abundant life? If you're new here at Fuel or new to the faith, um, I ask you just to lean in and just open up because I understand that some of you have had a bad experience when it comes to the church and finances, and some, some of you have came from a financially abusive church, or you saw or heard stories of churches who misrepresented the true definition of biblical 
generosity. But I believe, I truly believe this. Listen to this. I truly believe with all of my heart that the next few weeks can be a game changer for your life. I truly believe that with all my heart, or I wouldn't be up here talking about it. And I'm not just saying that. I believe that things can shift in your life if you would just lean into this. Amen? Someone say lean in. So last week, we talked about two different cycles. Do you remember them? We talked about the cycle of scarcity. Someone say scarcity. And we talked about how most Americans and even churchgoers, Christians, live in this cycle. God supplies because God has given you everything. He's given you the breath in your lungs, the energy to go to work. He gave you that job. God supplies. We consume. Then we lack. Then we fear. And then the cycle just keeps continuing. Actually, 80% of Americans live right here. It's called paycheck to paycheck. We never have enough, right? Our spending habits are out of control. We're addicted to buying new things. We want a temporary fix for the moment. And so we are addicted to buying something to make us feel good, right? And so, so we, we consume, we lack, we fear. We consume, we lack, we fear. And we can never step out to be generous to somebody when we're living in the scarcity cycle. It's a very hard place to be in because we, some of us that are in the scarcity side, we want to give, but we just can't, you know, we, we just can't. And so, so God wants to take us from the scarcity cycle to the abundance cycle. Someone say the abundance cycle. Here's the abundance cycle. God supplies. Someone say God supplies. He's giving you everything that you have, whether you believe that or not. God gave it to you, right? We give, God multiplies and our faith grows right? And then the cycle continues. We give again. God multiplies, and then our faith grows. So today, I want to dig down a little deeper on these two cycles, and, and, and here's our main thought for the message today. It's this. The scarcity cycle starts in the mind, not in the wallet. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if you never come back to this church, that's fine, but will you just listen to what I have to say for the next 20 minutes? Come on, will you? Because I believe this can change you. I don't care how you were raised. You were raised dirt poor. I don't care if there was a poverty mentality in your house. God wants to bring you out of the scarcity cycle. But it all starts in the mind. Oh, can I preach it how I want to preach it? I may throw this jacket off and go Benny Hinn on you. I don't know. You see that move? You see the wrist? Bad to the bone. Look out. Holla at your boy if you see him in the streets. Scarcity cycle starts in the mind, not in the wallet. See, see, we think when we're in the scarcity cycle, it, it's all about I need more money. No, you don't. You need a mindset change. You need a mindset change. You don't need no more money, right? I, I just, I gotta, I gotta get another job because I need more money. I need more money. And, and so a lot of people think that, but the Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're always going to be poor, broke, busted, and disgusted, come on, somebody. Did I describe your life? Come on. If you think that, then you will be that. But if you think God is going to prosper me, he's going to bless me so I can, in turn, be a blessing to others. My blessing is not just for me. I'm not going to say, mine, mine, God, it's all for me. Hmm? I came to preach today in these glasses. 
I'm not going to say that. Yes, God wants you and your family taken care. Yes, he wants you blessed and, and, and living in nice houses and driving nice cars. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's not just about you. You're, you're born to be a blessing to others. You see, every choice you make, your behavior patterns, and your spending habits can all point back to the way you choose to think about your world and the world as a whole. How do you think about finances? How do you think about giving? Huh? We got to shift that. We got to shift that mindset. So it's so vitally important for you to know and believe, hear this, that God has something better for you. God has something. Who has something better? God has something better for you. If you don't come to this belief, you will stay stuck in this scarcity mindset for the rest of your life. Not only that, you endanger the future generations of your lineage of carrying on the scarcity mindset. Because all that comes out of your mouth is there's never enough. We're poor. We can't do that, right? And it's a mind, we're in fear of the future. We don't know what the, we're fearful. And it's a not enough mindset. So today I want to look at a New Testament story that best illustrates what I'm trying to say to you today. Are you with me so far? Are you with me? Here we go. Mark chapter six, verse 35 and 38. Check it out. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. Speaking of Jesus and the disciples, they said this to Jesus. This is a remote place and it's already very late. Hey, Jesus, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy them something to eat. Verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are you crazy? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them to eat? 38, verse 38, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves, and two fishes, five loaves and two fish. Now, we know this story as the feeding of the multitude, or it's called also the feeding of the 5,000, but we also know that scholars say there were way more than 5,000 here. They say there was around 20,000 people listening to Jesus preach this day, right? So you can imagine, okay, take Banker's Life Fieldhouse. You been there? Banker's Life where the Pacers play? Um, Take that. That seats 20,000. So imagine 20,000 people sitting there all day listening to Jesus' teaching, and they're coming to a place where it's time for dinner, and, and, and the disciples, they're, they're, they're getting a little, you know, okay, how do we deal with this, Jesus? Like, the people are hungry. How many, how many in here can be honest with me and tell me that you do get hangry? You get hang- Yeah, I see you. The rest of you are lying. There's a place in the basement for you. I get hangry. Like, when it's time to eat, I want to eat. Like, don't mess up my flow. You know what I mean? And so, so here's kind of how it went down. This is the JPB version, um, Jacob Paul Burgay version. So um, this is just how I think it went down. Peter comes to Jesus. He's the spokesperson because Peter's this bold guy. Like, he's just crazy. Like, he's still cursing and cutting people's ears off. He's still half saved. You know what I'm saying? Did I describe your neighbor? He's got the shirt, um, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little. He's got that on, and Peter comes to Jesus. He's like, yo, JC, 
Because what he called, he, he just called him JC. He didn't want to say, hey, Jesus Christ. Hey, JC, um, yo, JC, this sermon, yo, it's lit. It's lit. It's on fire, JC. Um, and, and I really love the 18th point you just gave. I really love the 18th point, and I, and I even took notes because you said note takers have a special place in heaven, Jesus. Um, but I don't want you to take this the wrong way, Jesus, uh, but this 15-hour sermon um, is getting a little long. JC and, 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 you know, I'm not complaining, but James and John, you know, they, they kind of were complaining a little bit off to the side and they were like, Hey, we nominate you to go to Jesus and just tell them, Hey, let's send the people away. Um, you know, so they can get something to eat. And I'm not complaining Jesus, but, but they were, you know, sounds like Peter, right? Uh, Jesus. And in case you didn't know, like the sun, which yeah, you, you created that sun. Um, it's going down. And, and, and there's no more light. And, and, and the people, I heard them talking, and they, they really want to head out to go to Chick-fil-A. Um, and, 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 you know, they want to eat that Christian chicken, Jesus, because they want to stay right with God. And, and, and there's no Chick-fil-A around here. And, and some of them, you know, they're addicted to coffee, Jesus, so they need the Starbucks too. And, and can we send them away so they can go eat, and then they can come back, and you can finish your 20-hour sermon. I love your sermon, Jesus, but it's, a little long, a little long, Jesus. And uh, 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 Jesus is like, <laughs> I can see Jesus laughing because he's like, hey, here's Peter again. Peter was always getting in trouble. He, he was always, I mean, he sliced the dude's ear off. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it on the dude and says, can you hear me now? <laughs> it's awesome what Jesus does. You should read that Bible. It's amazing. You think Harry Potter's awesome, man. Look at the Bible. It's amazing. And, and, and so Peter's this rebel, man. He's just like this rebel disciple, still cursing at people like, Jesus loves you, but, you know, and just like saying bad words to him the next minute. <laughs> I'm not going to say them, but you can imagine. And so here the disciples are, Peter and the disciples, they're, they're thinking, send them away to buy something. But Jesus is thinking different. He has a different mindset. He says, he's, he's thinking, give them what you have. And catch this. They're thinking, send the people away so they can buy something. Someone say, buy something. Jesus is thinking, no, no, no. We will give, someone say, give what we have. Jesus asked the question, what do you have? They come back, they get a little boy's lunchbox, Rambo lunchbox, probably, because that's the best. Teenage Mutant Ninja, I don't know what it was. They open the Lunchable with the Oreo cookie and the Capri Sun. Come on, somebody. And they bring it back to Jesus, and they said, this is all we got. We got a little Johnny's lunch, and there's 20,000 up in here, right? How are we going to do it? So you have two, two groups of people viewed, viewed this with totally different mindsets. The disciples viewed this whole process through a mindset of scarcity. There is not enough. We're going to run out. We don't, there's not enough supply. They were fearful. They were scared. Jesus, you've got to send them away. It's getting dark. They're hungry. They're getting hangry here. Babies are crying, Jesus. They need to go. And so the disciples viewed it in that way. It was almost laughable to the disciples, like, like the, how little there is and how much we need. Like, there, there, there's just this lunchbox 
It could be laughable to think that we could feed them with just this. How many have ever been there? How many have ever been there and you look at how little you have to how much you need? Come on, I think we've all been there. If we're to be honest, and I've been there and there is always way more month than there is money, right? And it's like, it's like forever living paycheck to paycheck, forever being stressed or you're right on the verge of getting ahead and then something massive breaks down. I didn't mean to talk about your week, but your dishwasher broke down, your fridge broke down and the warranty just ran out seven days ago. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Your brakes went out. You need new brakes. You need new tires. Yeah, come on, come on. You know that stuff ain't cheap, right? You're just about ready to get ahead and the medical bill shows up. And you're like, I thought I had good insurance. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) You're just about to get ahead and the kids need braces. Just about to get ahead and and, and the car needs a new transmission, right? We all face these types of crises sooner or later. But here's the thing. You cannot let that isolated circumstance get in your head and become the mindset for the rest of your life. That it'll always be this. I'll always struggle. It'll always be not enough. It'll always be little. It'll always, I can never get ahead. You can't let that mindset become your future. Jesus, though, he viewed this whole story through a different lens. He he viewed it through the abundance cycle. Someone say abundance. Jesus said there is more than enough. Although there's little, there is more than enough. It says in the scripture that they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Did you hear that? Something happened here. How many want to know what happened? I want to know what happened in the story. Like, what do you mean? Like, like there's doggy bags for everybody. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I don't get it. You brought a lunchbox, a couple of fish and loaves, and now everybody's got leftovers to take home? Come on now. And, And so they thought not enough. Jesus thought more than enough. They had a scarcity mindset. Jesus had an abundance mindset. Here's a thought. Here's some thoughts. Scarcity asked, what can I afford? Abundance asked, what do I have? What do I have? See, you have something. You just see it as something little, but when God gets involved in it, he turns little into much. What do you have? You see, those who are Christ followers, this is what we do. Because of what Jesus has done for us upon the cross and graciously being generous to us and giving of his only son, because he has blessed us so much, this is what we do as Christ followers. We believe that it is better to give than to receive. We want to live in the abundance cycle, not the scarcity cycle, because we just believe that God blesses and increases us so that we can be a blessing to others. We say it this way. It's one of our core values. We will lead the way with irrational generosity, crazy generosity. That doesn't even make sense. We're just going to be generous. We're just going to be generous and bless people and bless our community and bless people who are in need. We're going to lead the way with irrational generosity. Why? Because God's economy is very different than this world's economy. And when we follow Jesus, he completely redefines what can be done with little. See, God wants to bring us out of this scarcity mindset. 
It's a mindset. Why? Why? Because he wants to do so much more through your life. He wants to do so much more in this church. He wants to reach so more of his lost kids. And you know what? It takes finances to reach his lost kids, and he knows it. He wants to bring you out of that. He wants to bring you out. of How can we help a hurting city when 80% of the church is in the scarcity mindset? is in the scarcity cycle. How can we build more campuses? How can we expand our reach if eight out of 10 families in here are living paycheck to paycheck? This was not God's intent for your life. You can come out of it. You can come out of it. Yes, you can. See, if we view our lives through the lens of scarcity, we will always be fearful and anxious. But Jesus has a much better plan for us. John 10, 10, he says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You know the thief wants your finances? But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. There we see that word, abundant, abundant. You see, our God wants to bless us. Our God is excessive and he's extravagant and he's more than enough. And he wants you to have an abundance in your life. He wants you to have money. Did I just say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want your love for money to overtake your love for him. He wants to be number one, but he knows in order for earth to hear about the good news, it's going to take money. In order for a city to change, come on now, in order 50% of this city is unchurched and has no church affiliation, 50% of our city of Kokomo, that's about 25, 30,000, whatever, they don't know Jesus. And Jesus knows, hey, in order for them to know, I got to get people out of this scarcity mindset and into the abundance mindset because that's how I'm going to get my message out. And so he laid out a whole plan for us in his Bible. Isn't it awesome? Some of you are like, no, I should have stayed home again. I get uncomfortable when we talk about money. You may be in the scarcity mindset then. That may be you because people who are abundance don't mind it. Because they got the revelation that God can do little, can do much with little, that God wants to bless me and pour out an abundance on my life. So why are so many, why are so many missing out on God's blessing? Why are, why are so many missing out on this abundant life? Few thoughts, and I'll be out of your way. Number one, we have to understand that God multiplies what is blessed. God multiplies what is blessed. Our story, our text, Mark 6, 40, look. As they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute and the people. And he also, he also divided the two fish among them. The blessing of God over anything in our lives is a powerful thing. Don't miss this, don't miss this. The blessing of God over anything in our lives is a powerful thing. But when God gives a blessing in relation to our finances, something takes place. Something takes place. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He says, hey, return to me 10%. He said, return it to me. That means it was his to start with. We talked about it last week. If you you weren't here, you got to listen to it. We talked all about what the tithe is, but it's 10% of all of our increase. And God says, return 10%. To me, it belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. So don't eat your seed. Don't wear your seed. Don't drive your seed. Return the 10 to me. 
And won't I bless that 90% you have more than the 100 you try to hold on to? I'm telling you, listen. He'll bless the rest. When you bring the first and the best, he'll bless the rest. We, and we went to Malachi chapter three, verse 10, and I talked about the first portion of this, but I have to share the second portion of it. Are you ready? He says, when you bring the tithe to the storehouse, you'll see that there's food in my house. Test me. We talked about that last week. God says, test me, try it, try it out. See if I won't do this. And he goes on to say, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. Someone say floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to, to, to store it floodgates of heaven. God is saying there is more than you can imagine and it's held in reserve in heaven like a massive lake behind a dam ready to be released into your life. God is saying this, when I find a heart that puts me first, that is a heart I can trust to pour out the abundance of heaven to. When I find a selfless heart, not a me, mine, this is mine. This is all mine. When I find a selfless heart, he says, I pour out blessings because I know that I can trust them. Floodgates. And then he says, heaven. What is heaven? The Bible depicts heaven of several different things. Heaven in the scriptures is a place where we will experience the undiluted presence of God. Heaven is a place where there's undescribable joy. Heaven is a place of overwhelming peace and abundance and provision. So what he's saying is, I want to open some floodgates. I, I, I want to open it over your life, and it's going to be a little bit like heaven. Peace is going to come. Here, catch this. Undescribable joy is going to be in your life. Come on, when you, when you take care of my house, I'm opening a part of heaven under your life. Come on, mom. Come on now. And, and, and he says, there'll be abundant provision over your life. This is the real stuff of value. This is when you can walk in, you can't put a price on peace. Some of you are so angry and discouraged and unhappy and you got money and you got houses and you got all that, but you ain't got no peace. Come on, Hollywood's that way. They're blowing their brains out. They're overdosing every day. They got all the money in the world, but they ain't got no peace. God said, I open floodgates of heaven that you can't do on your own. But when you bring back what is mine, the 10%, that's when I open them. That's when I open them. It's the principle of the tithe. The principle of the tithe is, is only good when we're obedient to it. Any principle in God's book. Does that mean if I don't tithe, God's not going to bless me? No, there'll be blessings in your life as you follow Christ, but there are certain blessings that are attached to certain principles that can only happen when you're obedient. That's just the Bible. So, so, so look at this. God multiplies what is blessed. Number two, God multiplies what is given away. Check this out. Look what happened. Same story. As he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fishes, looking up into heaven, he gave thanks. He broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Now listen, in order to feed 20,000 people, you would need three semi-trailers full of bread. Watch this. Watch this. If you don't hear anything, hear this. This story is told in all four Gospels, and there isn't a single mention that the miracle showed up after he blessed it. There's a single mention that the miracle showed up after he blessed it. He simply prayed over it. He blessed it. And then he gave the fish and the loaves, the five and the two, 
to the disciples for them to distribute to the people. Don't miss this. When did the miracle happen? When did the, the miracle had to have happened the moment it left the disciples' hands? It had to. It, did you hear this, church? It had to happen. There was a distribution, and then there were doggy bags. There was a distribution. 20,000 were fed, and there was leftovers for everyone. It had to happen when it left their hands. It doesn't make sense that the miracle happened when it left their hands. It doesn't make sense to take 10% in an offering, and God will bless it when it leaves my hand. The miracle happened when it left their hand. The miracle happened. I know, I know the Bible, everything about being a follower of Jesus is completely counterintuitive. He says, you want to find your life, lose it. He says, if you want to be great, be a servant. Well, serve somebody, wash somebody. He, he said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. He says, turn the other cheek. I know everything in the Bible is counterintuitive. It doesn't always make sense, but it's because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it isn't right. Hmm. So it should be no surprise to us that the miracle in our finances happens when it leaves our hands and we say, God, you first, not me. I'm, I'm not, no, no longer selfish, not like the 18-month-old. No, it's no longer mine. God, you first. I put you first. I honor you. I step out in faith because it takes faith to tie. We talked about that last week. It takes faith to step out. I get it. Some of you are new and you're like, I don't even know where to start somewhere. Someone came up to me and said, man, I'm at like four or 5%. I said, great. You started somewhere. And they're like, I'm going to 10%. And then I'm going to go. I said, well, once you go there, it's, it's over for you because you're in this abundance mindset and you, the feeling of giving to others and helping others overcomes your life and it becomes a lifestyle to you. So Proverbs 11, 24, 25, come here, guys, says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Verse 25, this is our church. This is who I'm talking to. We're, we're taking that 80% and we're moving that down in this church. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Church, we are not called to be reservoirs of things, but conduits of blessings. We are not called to be reservoirs of things and stuff. We're called to be conduits of blessings. Check this out. As a child, I was always taught to tithe because my mother tithed. I always, always watched her, and, and she always taught me from a small child how important it was that you give God his 10%, you know, so that he can bless the other. You know, I believe that tithing is, is what God does ask of us, and it's just being obedient to God when we tithe. It's important for us to tithe simply because we're covered. It's a covering. Doesn't mean we don't go through anything, but it makes God responsible for us. We do understand what it's like to struggle. I mean, we've been there and we've been in places, you know, that people are maybe now and that um, we do understand that, you know, things are expensive in, in the world, you know, to try to take care of when you're raising a family. But I have um, never once thought, oh, well, I just won't tithe or I just won't give God his part. Living this lifestyle, you'll see that 
you want to give more of your time, your talents, of your finances. And if there's a need in someone in someone's life in the house of God, um, all you want to do is be a blessing. You know, that's all you want to be. Because again, that's the hand, that's the heartbeat of the Father, is to be a blessing. Whether it's your talent, your finances, your physical health, spiritual health, mental health, whatever it is. That's why it's important to live that lifestyle because we all go through storms of life, every one of us. And you may have a word, a pertinent word in season or just a smile impacts somebody's lives. If you just give to get, uh, you might as well not, not give at all. But if you're giving from your heart and, and just trusting God that he's going to take care of you, um, then that, you know, because God looks at our heart. Whether you have a dollar to, is your tithe is a dollar or a thousand dollars a week, God doesn't look at that any different. He looks at that the same, you know, that you're doing what you're, just like the, the widow woman with the two mites, she gave all she had. But, and that's what he wants. He's just wanting us to, to obey him, to give what, he, what we're supposed to, and um, just trust that he's going to come through at just the right time. Not maybe when we think that we need it, but just the right time he'll be there. So. All I can say for whoever hesitant, because I can understand being hesitant, because so many people have been abused by that, you know, of giving to the local church. Just do the Bible. It's like planting a seed in the grass. Whatever you're going to plant, it takes time for it to grow. And before you know it, it's going to come your way. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today, and maybe you're out there, and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real, and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional, and, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, change me, in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.